It's looking like Notre Dame will add a quarterback out of the transfer portal for the third time in four years, and yet the Irish are recruiting the position better than they have in a long, long time. That's coming up next. You are Locked On Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to episode number 150 of Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Tyler Wojak. I graduated from Notre Dame in 2018, and I'm a producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And this episode of Lockdown Irish is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdown. College terms and conditions apply. We're going to talk some recruiting today. It's been a few weeks since we did a deep dive on the recruiting trail, and I feel like it's a little overdue, quite frankly, because the early signing period is just over a month away. And to do that, I'm going to be joined by Lockdown's recruiting insider, Brian Smith, in just a moment here to talk more about Notre Dame's plan with their quarterbacks, how it transfer factors into the equation. And then we'll talk about the strengths and weaknesses of Notre Dame's class of 2024 before we look ahead to the biggest needs in the class of 2025. One quick programming note, I'm going to do another mailbag episode on Friday of this week, but I have to record it a little bit earlier than normal. So please get your questions in if you want to be featured on the show. You can submit your questions in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or you can send them in on Twitter at Lockdown Irish or slide in the Instagram DMs at Lockdown Irish Pod. Okay, let's talk to Brian. It's always great having Lockdown's very own recruiting insider, Brian Smith, back on the show, and he joins us now. Brian, let's start with the big news from Marcus Freeman's press conference on Monday when he confirmed what most of us were expecting. The Irish are going to look to add another scholarship quarterback this offseason. Presumably, that means they'll look to the portal for a grad transfer with a lot of uh, with a lot of playing experience. So do you think this is the right decision? If you get the exact one you want, probably so. But at the same time, it is not like last year. There aren't that many guys, at least now, that are going to be heading into the portal. I've been studying this the last two weeks. Stats, eligibility. Of course, the 2020 COVID year makes this a little iffy. How many of those guys want to take a sixth year? There's a lot of variables, but it's not a good year for quarterbacks. There may be a pretty good argument for just trying out the younger guys if you can't get the exact guy you want, because if you're not going to compete for a title anyway, why not give somebody that's a younger guy a chance and develop for the long term? Yeah, because you could definitely make the case that you stunt their development or just frustrate them for no good reason if you bring in a quarterback who isn't that talented and it just creates a competition that probably shouldn't have existed in the first place. But I know it's hard to predict who's going to be available in the portal considering we're a month away or a little bit less than that. But if you had your choice, it has to be realistic. Who would you want Notre Dame to take at quarterback? Um, The kid from Tulane is somebody I've met, I've seen play in high school. And he's got some moxie to him. He didn't have as good a year this year as he did last year. They don't have the same running back, uh, some of the same pieces around. But outside of him, realistically, I don't even know who would be available because it's got to be somebody with a considerable amount of experience. Who's that that's leaving? Like what, what kid would you think, like the situation they got this year, although it hasn't worked out the way they'd like because of the receivers and all that, there aren't any other guys that are at like a mid-level, slightly above possible NFL quarterback that I know of. That's just like, okay, I'm done going seven and five, eight and four. How do I take that step up? Who is that guy? This is not a good year. 
So good luck figuring that out. Um, to put it in perspective, I know about another program that I will leave unnamed that is already determined to get somebody better than the player I just mentioned, but they do not care how they get him. Basically, they're just trying to buy guys off a roster. Yeah. They're, they don't care. They're just like, they're, we're done. We have to get the guy at quarterback. So it's it's a nasty market when that's going on. So in Notre Dame, while they'll pay for transfers, some of these schools are just at the point like their coaching staffs so are on that teeter point where they may not make it. They're going to do anything they can to get a kid. It's going to be very competitive. It's just the nature of the beast these days. And you're referring to Michael Pratt in case anyone was uh, who's listening yeah. to not pick up on that by now. But an option that I was throwing out there, maybe Will Howard, uh, the quarterback at Kansas State, if he decides to leave, he – Fits the mold of having a ton of experience, won a Big 12 championship. Um, Kansas State has Avery Johnson. They might just want to start him for the rest of the way. So, again, we don't know. We're still a long ways away from finding out. And maybe Notre Dame has a guy or an option that we don't know about. That that could definitely happen. But if and when Notre Dame does add another quarterback out of the portal, it will be the third time they've done so in the past four years. And I think the main reason for this has to do with misses at the position under the previous regime. But clearly, Marcus Freeman prioritizes experience at the position. So what impact, if any, do you think this will have on quarterback recruiting down the road? I don't think it'll have any because, like, I, I met C.J. Carr, and, you know, he's an experienced kid. He's from the right kind of family. Obviously, his grandfather coach for the Wolverines and won a title. He's not going to expect to start as a freshman. He may have that goal, but he's not an idiot. You know what I mean? Like those kind of kids coming in, they're not stupid. They're, they know they have to go through the process. I have a general rule and I've got my own spreadsheet with my own stats on how this works. The low number, low number plateau for the number of passing attempts for most good college quarterbacks to really great is 400 career passes. How many freshmen have 400 career passes? Well, obviously zero. You're walking in with zero. So if you think you're going to be that guy, the coach is probably going to have to sit you down. I mean, even Drake may redshirted. Most kids know that. So if they just tell them, hey, look, we're trying to get to the point where we get that, it's not a real hard sell because Marcus has done a good job with his staff. They've all collectively done a nice job of bringing in guys. I've met Deuce, I've met CJ and all the very mature kids. That's the difference with Notre Dame recruits in general. When I try to explain it to other people and they get mad because so many people hate Notre Dame, but they try to take kids that fit college better. They're going to take that news better. Like there are a few kids that I know on the seven on seven circuit, no matter how good they were, because they told me where they were going. I'm like, this kid's not going to make it there. He's not going to start right away and he's going to be in the portal. I'm not going to go into names, but I have been very, very correct on a whole bunch of these kids. <laughs> Kids don't want to wait at a lot of places. Notre Dame recruits differently, so I don't think it's going to impact them nearly as much as many other schools. That's what I figured. And Marcus Freeman has said time and time again that his program is going to be driven by high school recruiting and that the transfer portal yeah. will be used to sort of fill the gaps at positions where they may have missed. And quarterback is a position that they have missed on in the past. So this next question I have for you um, is a big picture one, not specific to Notre Dame, but college football as a whole. How has the transfer portal changed the way that coaches recruit high school prospects and really their entire approach to, to recruiting in general? Well, there are a couple of things. Number one, the position matters. Uh, let's look at it this way. Where would Florida State be without Jordan Travis? They took a flyer on him after he was at Louisville for a year, and he was a complete, complete transfer guy that was just developing. He even went to Mike Norvell at one point and said, hey – I want to switch positions. 
A lot of people didn't know that. He admitted that recently. I'm like, holy cow. That wouldn't have been good because he's obviously at least a borderline Heisman guy this year. You have to look at the portal in different ways, though, man. They need impact guys because all these boosters donating this money. Like, did you see the check the guy for AM donated at halftime this past weekend? 140, 160 or whatever, what is million dollars? Well, that's just ridiculous. So, but they want to return on investment. These are no longer players. I don't care what the NCA calls it. They are investments. That's not nice. That's not friendly. That's reality. So the transfer portal, especially at quarterback and O-line spots that take longer to develop, those two spots in the high school ranks are getting annihilated. Unless you're a four or five star guy, you're not going to get in to the top of the board. So it's hard, man. Um, those I've even talked to coaches directly, probably 50 of them. They've all said the same thing, O-line in particular, because it's just a drag. It's so hard to pick which guys are going to develop. You're not going to take the high school kid if it's close. You're going to take the kid that's at least been through a year or two at the college ranks just to see if he can handle college. You're guessing with all high school kids. There's no friendly there. It's it's really difficult. The other thing is some of these guys, again, it comes back to the, the bottom line for coach. They're making ridiculous money. Even if you know you're probably going to get fired in a year or two, you don't care. You just want to stick around. That's generational money. Take the transfer portal kid for a year or two and let's go. Look at the Dana Holgerson down at Houston. Like he said on a, on a show recently, not really worried about recruiting right now. This You should always be – that's one of the worst quotes I've ever yeah. heard. Especially considering like, how hot his seat is right now. That's what I mean. I mean, I I told the guy at the host of the Houston show, I'm like, I'd fire him. That's, that's a fireable offense immediately. Goodbye. You are done. Call the boosters. We got to get this guy out of here. Uh, he'd have been done. Recruiting is 24-7, 365, period. You don't want to recruit? That's fine. There's a there's a place for you to go watch a football game on TV. You're basically describing what happened to Dan Mullen last year. Uh, he did not want to recruit. He was ready to go to the NFL, and it didn't work out, and now he is making a lot of money on ESPN, so good for him. Yeah, making a lot of money, and then every once in a while he's going to call out from Kirby Smart, who said exactly what we just said. He doesn't like recruiting. Yeah. And that's the reason why he's now on TV and not on the sidelines. But who do you think gets hurt the most by all of this? Because from the coach's perspective, I totally understand why they would want to wait and see if they could add a player out of the transfer portal, someone who has experience playing at the college level. And their tape is against college players where they take a risk, admittedly, taking really any high school prospect, but specifically three-star and below, um, especially coming from small schools and like in, in places like that. So how does that impact those prospects? Are they just forced into going to a school that they might not want to go to in the hopes that they can sort of prove it at the college level, maybe at a smaller school, and then eventually get looked at by the big schools? Interior offensive line, uh, a buddy of mine, Lou Samoji, Notre Dame fans probably know, but he always used to say to me, the last stop on the bus stop is offensive guard, um, interior linemen in general. There's not a lot of spots there that they want to hand out unless they're just rock solid. We know like, you know, elite guys. Okay, a five-star, that's fine. But they're just going to take all tackles and kind of move the guys down that don't make it at tackle. Well, that's still the last spot. And then you still got to battle the portal as well. So they get the, the short end of the deal. There's a couple of kids that I know locally in Florida that ended up going to like FCS that I knew could play power five, but they're everybody now is it's just like the FCS, the upper echelon of it is its own form of Juco. 
It's just the way it is. If you're at the wrong school or you're a guy that needs an extra year, even if you're athletic to gain weight, you're, you're the one that's going to lose out. Interior O-line, quarterback to a certain degree, but they'll at least take a shot on a quarterback because you're not winning at this elite level or even mid-level in college football anymore that quarterback. There's a little more chance there, but it's still hard. Yeah, you, you appropriately said it. There's other schools that are making some inroads with it, but, you know, they, they only get them for a year or two. Good for the Georgia Southerns of the world or whatever, but it's not going to matter very much. The end, of the end of the rung of D1 and FCS are getting some of the kids that probably shouldn't. It's kind of interesting, though, because you just don't know where those kids are eventually are going to end up. Yeah, and then they could come on and be great, and maybe a few of them stick around and it works out for them. But I feel like those schools are probably every offseason. They're just trying to protect their best players, even though it's it's probably all for nothing because odds are that player, if he's really that good, he's going to want to move on and play on a bigger stage and make a little bit more money while he's doing so. We'll be right back with Brian to talk more about Notre Dame's recruiting class. But first, I want to talk to you about eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die live at ebay.com slash motors ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply okay let's bring it back to notre dame and specifically their class of 2024 the irish have 23 commits in the class right now it's been pretty static for a long time which feels like a good thing but last year notre dame had a few guys decommit very late in the game including dylan edwards running back for colorado jane lamar running back at oregon and then most notably peyton bowen are there any guys in this class that you think might flip before signing day? I wouldn't know which one, but I just always tell everybody the same rule. Notre Dame's probably a little less because the kids that picked Notre Dame, it's generally different, but you're going to lose a couple of kids down the stretch every year, and if you don't, it's a bonus. End of story. And you will not know who it is. You will not. I mean, like I know a bunch of different people that cover Notre Dame, uh, pretty much all of them in some capacity, that, you know, outside of Woy, I don't know him, but they all in private conversations, like we know we're going to lose somebody, it's, which guys are going to be at NIL, uh, death in the family, mom gets sick, Notre Dame recruits from a distance most of the time. It's harder at Notre Dame. So which kids are going to be? I don't know. There'll be somebody and it'll just be one of those deals. It could be the new A&M coach wants the DB that Notre Dame has from Texas. I don't know. Maybe he decides, you know, that's a really good school too. It's closer. I'll go there. It'll be random. I have no idea. Yeah, that makes sense. I think last year everyone kind of saw the Peyton Bowen thing coming because it was so public. But Dylan Edwards took me by surprise. But once Dion got the job at Colorado, Edwards was out of that class like the next day. But on the other side of the coin, do you think that there are any prospects Notre Dame might be able to flip into their class? I know they're trying with a few. Do you think they'll be able to land any of them? There's a there's always something interesting about Notre Dame with this. And, and this staff does their own evaluations, which I love. I know that the recruitniks out there are going to just say, well, let's see, is he a four or a five star? He's not. Well, then I'm mad. Uh, Notre Dame took the Armel Mookum kid last year, who I loved out of Virginia, but he'd only played like six years or six games as a senior. 
played at some smaller school or whatever in Virginia, they might get a guy like that. But outside of a few kids that they're really trying to get that are obvious, a certain D lineman that I won't mention his name is committed to Ohio State or something. I don't think there's really that many guys are still trying to go after because they pretty much got who they wanted. Uh, flipping kids is hard for them because Notre Dame, you know what it is up front. They're not like Georgia is a state school. Anybody can fit in at the state school. Notre Dame's different. Either it's a yay or a nay. I mean, you went there, you get it. It's different. I don't think they're going to flip as many kids as like a Florida, a Georgia, North Carolina, big state U because it's so specific. Then again, that also makes it more intriguing because it's random. I would not be shocked if they got a kid that was committed to Stanford or a kid that was committed to Illinois or committed to Penn State or anywhere else. That's why it's unique. But to say they won't get any, when was the last time they didn't flip somebody in the last two months of recruiting? Has it happened in the last 10 years? I don't think so. It'll be random again, but they'll get somebody. Yeah, the last time you and I spoke, Notre Dame had just had Carter Nelson on campus, Mm -hmm. and we both were like, I don't know. I think he's probably going to end up staying home at Nebraska right now. Um, That's how it looks to me. Have you heard anything otherwise? The last I heard is that he was probably going to stick around. I know the governor of Nebraska had even spoken to the kid. I mean, (laughs) I'm like, um, they're going to be a great 8-4 and program. So that's – I mean, enjoy that. They're not getting enough defensive players to make a difference long-term, but he can be a hero in his own state, so good for him. Looking at who is currently committed, uh, which position group or groups do you think are Notre Dame's biggest strengths in this class? The wide receiver group, I'm going to come back to that, is the strength, in my opinion, and that might surprise some people, but I'll talk about that in a second. I also think that the O-line class is a little underrated, but the Lambert kid, that that guy's an NFL left tackle waiting to happen, and they are rare, rare, rare players. So O-line is a little better than people think. But I also think the DB class is a little underrated too. So you could you could look at that a couple ways. But you still got to start with quarterback. Look, I, I get blessed to go to all these tournaments around the country. There aren't many guys that understand quarterback like CJ does. And I'm not trying to pick on other kids, but he was born into a family that it's just different. He was ahead of the game. A long time ago, he can pick up the phone anytime and say, Coach Carr, uh, grandfather, what do I do here? He was doing that at eight. It's not fair. That guy won a national title. He, he knows how to coach. And his ability to make decisions after the snap is better in high school than a lot of the college kids that I see. I've seen him up close. I've seen a ton of his film. I'll take their quarterback situation for a guarantee. Like his, his floor is so high. If he started as a sophomore at Notre Dame, even though they play a difficult schedule, he would be better, in my opinion, than most teams that have senior quarterbacks have started for a couple of years. I'll start there. Uh, Anybody that's better than him, that's a blessing for that program. But Notre Dame has not recruited like that in a very long time. You mentioned the receivers, and Cam Williams has been the higher-rated prospect out of all the Notre Dame receivers since the moment he committed. He's a big-time player, but Micah Gilbert – has had an unbelievable senior season. How would you compare the two receivers, Williams and Gilbert? I think Williams is the guy that's more sexy because of his straight line speed is just ridiculous. Gilbert has a condor's reach and is a little shiftier, and he's still a big guy. They're about the same height. I think Gilbert might have the higher ceiling. Um, it depends, but he, he doesn't play at a program that – Featured him maybe earlier or something. I don't, I don't know. His junior film to his senior is like, like you said, is just incredibly different. At the same time, 
I've watched enough film to know down here it happens a lot. Sometimes kids just hit that spurt. His speed got different. He got twitchier. He might, I don't know if he got a trainer, but Mikey Gilbert, I think, has a great chance to play in the NFL one day. That, I mean, I'll, again, quarterback means so much. I'll put it number one in some way. I mean, it just by default, but the receiver group, those one, two, you could put against anybody in the country. And Notre Dame's will be just as good or better than anybody's. What do you think about uh, Saldate? Because once Isaiah Canyon decommitted, they moved on him really quickly. They got him away from Oregon State, and he's been putting up big numbers. He's a little bit undersized. What do you see uh, from him on tape? He's been coached. You can tell that he understands route running. He's not going to come in as a freshman beyond what's labeled next to his name in the Notre Dame's you know email directory. He's a kid that understands football in and out routes, getting in and out of his breaks is a little bit different. He's been trained. I don't know who he knows. I don't know anything about the kid, but you could just tell by his junior film that he'd worked with somebody. And I'm not saying his high school coaches aren't the ones. It might be somebody at his high school that played NFL ball or something. Somebody elevated has coached him. And he's a lot quicker than most guys probably realize because he's just so sudden one step in the ground and he moves that direction that he wants. He, it's very, very quick. It reminds me a lot of the Florida kids that I see. That's a good sign, by the way. So he's going to get lost in the shuffle because, again, everybody looks at star rankings and all that, and he doesn't have measurables. He's going to be the guy that just kills you because he's going to be one-on-one. It's either going to be Micah or Cam that you're doubling. What's he going to see in his career? Two double teams in four years? He's never going to see one. One-on-one, that's why slot receivers in college football just eat it up. They're running up DBs even at the NFL level, let alone college. He's going to have a pretty good Notre Dame career. Yeah, he's a true slot receiver. He's incredibly shifting. If you put oh, a linebacker on him, or hell, even a safety in some instances, he's just going to burn him. It's um, not going to be competitive. Who's uh, who's last on that list of strengths? Where did the staff miss in this class? I don't know if they missed anywhere, but I mean, getting that just pure 310-pound defensive tackle is always what you're looking for in every class. They still might get the kid from North Carolina. But Bryce Young, I, I just want to talk about him for a second. White Gilbert, another kid from North Carolina, and, of course, Bryant Young was his father, a Hall of Famer for the Niners, a Super Bowl winner. That kid has taken such a jump. I had somebody I was talking with the other day. He's like, do you think he's a three-tech or a five? And I said, I don't care. He's a football player. He can line up in a three-man or a four-man line, and he stands up and chases down guys from behind that weigh 50 to 70 pounds less than him. I'm good. He's got a chance to be an NFL player, too. I'm sure his dad has worked with him, obviously, but he's built a little bit different than his dad. He's a little longer. And I quite honestly don't know how you could label him other than just say D-line. Like his dad was perfect D-tackle in an up-the-field 4-3 system. I think this kid fits what Marcus does because they change it constantly. So the D-line is unique. You could look at it in multiple ways. That's the one that I think a lot of people need to pay attention to, though. He makes it special. These classes, like the only thing Notre Dame's recruiting gets now is to get into that top four group to beat the Georges and Michigans, et cetera. You got to be able to just bludgeon people at the front because they've got the one problem Notre Dame's had historically is corner. It's their deepest spot now. It's bizarre. They're loaded. You can make an argument Notre Dame's the deepest team in the country at corner, but they still need more just four down. We're going to drop seven and we're going to eat your lunch. That's the reason that they didn't get over the top this year in a couple of games. They came close, but they got, I mean, hats off to the defensive staff for their blitz packages, but they had to blitz too much. Adding guys like Bryce Young that you have to scheme against, 
changes your defense. I remember when Notre Dame first started looking at Bryce Young, you're like, oh, okay, this makes perfect sense. His dad is a Notre Dame legend. Um, and my first instinct was, are they just taking him because of the last name? And then I looked at his profile, specifically his size, and I was like, whoa, I'm surprised other people aren't really looking at him. Notre Dame was obviously one of the first, and then the offer started to roll in, and then he had an incredible senior season, and now he's pretty high up on the recruiting rankings. But I might have, uh, you might have already told me the answer here. Give me one player who had the best senior season of any other commit in this class. I mean, probably Bryce because it surprised me. But, I mean, C.J. Carr is an easy pick. Statistically, though, Aeneas Williams, he's been bludgeoning competition in north of St. Louis for his entire high school career. If you want hilarious film, go find Aeneas's film. Just watch his freshman, sophomore film. It's, it's comical. He could play receiver at Notre Dame, and he's about 200 pounds. He was like top of the board for Alabama as a running back recruit. The reason he's not ranked higher, he's from a podunk town north of St. Louis, and there are no scouts there. Nobody's going. I bet he hasn't seen a guy like from 247. Maybe Loy went out to see him or something, somebody like that possibly, but nobody's going to go to Hannibal, Missouri. If he lived where I did, he'd be a high four-star kid. It's what happens, man, in the high school recruiting game. Okay, last question before we let you go um, as we start to turn the page here. What do you think are Notre Dame's biggest needs in the class of 2025? And that's just based on who Notre Dame has on their roster. That's not including who Notre Dame already has committed in the class of 2025. So if there's a position of need but they have a guy committed to, I think it still counts. I mean, it's not completely different because they've recruited very well in a balanced sense the last couple of classes combined. Pure pass rusher, though, the spot like Bryce is probably going to be the strong side. And I know this is just kind of the way it is, but like they've started to get some of those guys. I'd still like to see them get the Keon Keeley of the 25 class. I, I mean, they've got a couple of guys that are kind of in that role. The kid from Illinois, they just I can't pronounce his name, Hulick or whatever. Dominic, he's, yeah. He's not a pronounce <laughs> He's going to get too big and probably a strong side in. They need a 6'5", 215-pound kid that can run like a deer. There's only a couple of them in the country every year, and they take a lot of NIL money. It's hard for Notre Dame. No, it's just it's NIL money for those kids is 500K and up. And You're not going to turn that down. You're not. So it is what it is. And uh, that number might actually be a little higher based on what I've heard on a few other kids here recently. All right, Brian, this has been great. I always appreciate your time. Uh, tell the people where they can find you before we let you out of here. On the formerly known Twitter, it's at uh, Scout underscore Florida, uh, X, whatever it is now. And that's pretty much where I like to hang out the most. I actually just posted some of Bryce's film. I went back and looked at some of it. If you want to check out his huddle, Bryce Young, man, his senior film, he is shot out of the cannon. Uh, I think Tyler is right in bringing him up and like, why are more people recruiting him? Well, watch the film and judge for yourself because he is he is a special, special player, and I think he'll play some as a freshman for the Irish. All right, man. I know you're a really busy guy. I always appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, buddy. Take care. Score early this NFL season with Fandle, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining Fandle lately, there's no better time to get in on the action than now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. All right, let's take a, uh, let's take a look at the board this week. 
Um, we've had some luck on Thursday night football, except for last week. I took the Bears, and uh, that did not work. Um, the Ravens are favored by three and a half against the Bengals on Thursday. Both teams are coming off a loss as a battle of the AFC North, but I like the Bengals to bounce back after their loss to the Texans and upset the Ravens on the road. So I'm going to take them to cover uh, that three and a half spread. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. All right, that's a wrap for this episode. Thanks again for making Lockdown Irish your first listen of the day. I really can't believe this is my 150th episode as the host of this podcast, but I really do appreciate every single person who has tuned in along the ride. For tomorrow's episode, I'm hoping to have uh, another guest on. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Wake Forest game that's coming up on Saturday, plus some big picture stuff as well. Remember to subscribe to the show on YouTube or wherever you're listening to the pod and give the show a follow wherever you do your social media. Same time, same place tomorrow. See you then.